All right, let's go. Let's go on a victory Monday. It is the Plank Show with Josh Helmer. I'm Chris Plank. History, history yesterday. Uh, yesterday in the NFL. I first of all, I'm playing hurt today. I want to make that very clear. Um, I and, and the the dumbest thing I think I've ever done is I legit injured my tongue biting it. I don't know how. Maybe shoveling food in my face. Uh, that does not open the door for any of your fat jokes, okay? But, yeah, playing hurt, TJ. Should get hazard pay today. Just saying. History in the NFL yesterday. Um, the Saints 24-0 win over the worst team in the NFL marked the first time in NFL history that a team which allowed 38 points the week prior shut out a team who had scored 38 points the week prior. Football's so stupid. The NFL is done. We're never talking about it again. It's just so our AFC West podcast shelved, tabled. West is best. Not happening this year. Not until the Raiders go out and get Bryce Young and get this thing right. Or Will Anderson. It's all that matters. Probably need Will Anderson more because they couldn't stop a nosebleed. You would think you would realize that Alvin Kamara plays for the Saints. You would think. You would think. Judging how he's played so far this year, I understand why you might not. But less on the NFL, less on the Big 12's TV deal, less on the, the rest of college football. Let's drill deep. Let's pigeonhole our focus on the Oklahoma Sooners. And we say good morning to Josh Helmer in the Brown O'Haver Studios. What's going on, Josh? Good morning, happy Monday, a victory Monday. How we doing? Welcome home. Was the trip uh, good? Yeah, it was great. I, I obviously, we have some great partners. Obviously, on, on the ref, we have great partners like our good friends at Van Hoos Finch, uh, Fence, VHFence.com. But we've got good partners with Sooner Sports Properties that make sure uh, we're taken care of on a road trip. Had a great meal the night before. Good time. Uh, everything just went really, really smooth. Now, I can get into Drake and Dennis deciding to stop for gas 10 minutes from the hotel whenever I'm doing a show in the back seat, but I've let that go, Josh. I've let that one go. That's that's one that I've decided I'm just, you know, I'm good. I'm good. It's, it's all going to be fine. But drive back was fine. Long. I, I will say, the trip to Ames, have you made that before, a road trip before to Ames? I've gone to Iowa for other reasons. I've not gone for a game in Ames. But just in general, you've made that trek up the 35 turnpike and into Iowa. Correct, yes. It's yeah. brutal. It's it's one of those that you don't realize, to me, and this is a Chris Plank thing, you don't realize how far it is until you're right in the middle of it. It's, you, you can't, oh, eight and a half hours, I'll cut 40 minutes off that, it's fine. And then when you realize, oh, you go through Kansas City, and it's still after that like another, what, f- five hours? <laughs> right. You've got a long ways still to go. Like, like, to me, a long road trip is to Kansas City from Oklahoma City or Norman or, or obviously Goldsby, Washington area where I live. You tack on another good, like, five hours to it, it makes it a little bit more problematic, but yeah, it was it was it was a fun trip. It was a blast. Drake's a great navigator slash sidekick. Whenever he gets whenever he starts getting tired, Drake gets gets chatty. Oh, the trash he talks on all you people. I'm just kidding. 
We had, we had Tom Shores with us, uh, Josh. Tom, in an eight-and-a-half-hour drive, said four words. It was impressive. I've never seen anything like it before in my life. I literally felt like I needed to talk for him. So that was, that was the plank Fowler, Fowler – uh, what do we have? Ford Expedition? What do we have? I still have it. But it was a good trip, man. We had a good time. And to get to what really matters, Oklahoma won the game. Right? The Sooners went and won the game. Listen, I've – I've I've got pages of notes here from Saturday. In fact, every so often I'll I'll jot a few more down that kind of caught my eye. We we have a Monday full of reaction uh, after. Let's see. So what would this be? Sooners improved to five and three on the season. I'll quit trying to do weeks and I'll just say, after eight games of Oklahoma Sooner football, I know this. I know blank. Hit me up on the Air Comfort Solutions text line four zero five six five one three four three nine. You can do it on Twitter. At Plank Show, at Josh on Ref, at KREF Sports. Uh, so we'll get those submissions rolling in. And I, I got BV and a little bit of Jeff Levy postgame to share with you. But, Josh, big takeaway from Saturday. What kind of caught your eye? Well, all week we wondered defensively how would Oklahoma hold up against an Iowa State offense that statistically, and it's just statistics going in, but statistically – was one of the worst offenses, not just in the Big 12, but nationally. And the answer to that question is a good one for Oklahoma now in the present and projecting forward for what the final, you know, final games here hold for OU. OU played well. OU played really well uh, defensively. They stuffed out the run. They forced Deckers to throw 57 times. And I think his yards per attempt finished at 5.4, which is – Nothing to be too upset about. Oh, by the way, they picked him off three times. Yep. And uh, and held Iowa State to just the 13 points. So the, the big takeaway is that, hey, in a game where you thought this sets up for Oklahoma's defense to play well, Oklahoma's defense played well. I was – I'm not going to lie. I was a little bit shocked to see that Iowa State ended up running it as much as they did. I mean, when when you're in a game that Hunter Deckers throws the ball 57 times, and then in that what he had, he had four rushes. So I, I don't know about you, but Josh, I don't think any of those four runs were designed runs, right? I, I don't think a a single one of them were. I felt like all four runs were. So he threw the ball, or at least dropped back to pass on on 60 plus occasions. On Saturday, I did not think that was going to be the game plan. But what was something that we said Friday during the show going into this that we both firmly bought into and believed? This was a matchup of of one team's weakness versus another team's weakness, which side would give. Iowa State has struggled in the post-Brees Hall era running the football. Oklahoma has struggled stopping the run. Something was going to give. Either that OU run defense – would allow a, you know, Jair Brock or a Cartavius Norton to get going, or I don't know how they would use Xavier Hutchinson maybe running the football. Just, you know, different – listen, man, we saw a team suddenly move a guy to running back that was a wide receiver that set an, a college football record. So I'm not ruling out anything for teams that seem to struggle running the football. But in that quote-unquote battle, Josh, the Oklahoma defense not only won, but – you know, one with pretty flying colors on Saturday with their run defense slowing down Iowa State. 
It's a good point. Yeah, and that was sort of the individual game within the game that we, and I'm sure we weren't alone in that, but we earmarked, right? Right. Is, look, this is an area that neither team has been great at. In fact, uh, they've been nationally each one of the worst at. And so something's got to give, right? Something's got to give. And what gave was Iowa State remained Iowa State, right? They only yep. rushed for 2.4 per carry. So give Oklahoma a, a ton of credit a, a ton of credit for that. They were, again, really, really good. Um, I feel a little bit greedy right now, Josh, because I did just go diving right into OU and Iowa State. Before we move on to a couple of offensive things for the Sooners, how was Josh Helmer's weekend? And is he excited about Halloween on a Monday night? Halloween, yes. Happy Halloween, everyone out there. It was a great weekend. H- had an awesome weekend. Watched Hawkeyes won. Uh, unbelievably. They played well, Plank. They played well against all odds. So, yeah, no, it was good. What, what were you saying that you watched uh, before I trampled all over you, Arnie style? Watched all sorts of football. All sorts of football. Start to finish. It was great. How was the broadcast for the OU Iowa State game? Now, I- I'm a big fan of Noah Eagle, but it seemed as if some hate was creeping into my timeline for this. Yeah, and I was kind of pulling double duty working and writing at the same time. I I heard and was listening, but nothing totally jumped out to me, so I will defer to the text line to let us know. I know that people were upset about it and thought that it was not a great broadcast, at least to start. Why they felt that way, I couldn't tell you. And it always goes back to when people will either text or, or tweet at me and complain about the broadcast. That's that's my moment where I'm like, I, I don't, I don't care. <laughs> I don't, I'm sorry, but we're on the radio. I want you to have a very pleasant viewing experience, but I'd really like for you to do it with SyncMyGame.com, right? And I can't do anything about it. He's TV now. Can you tell? No, I can't go up and tell Noah Eagle that this is wrong or whomever was doing the game with Mark Helfrich that it was wrong. I will say they didn't have a sideline reporter, so I don't know how they handled some of the injury stuff. Like I don't, I don't know if Eric Gray was just magically gone. But usually, when when you have those broadcasts, just this may be way too inside baseball. But when you have those. Um, when you have those broadcasts that don't have a sideline reporter, they'll have a producer down there. And most of the Fox guys, I've, I've got to know pretty well, the guys and gals from Fox. And I didn't even see anyone down there checking on anything. So I don't know if they were just going rogue with any of that information or what. But, yeah, we'll get to some of the TV thoughts in a bit. And then we find out what last night, or excuse me, Saturday night after the game, ES, ESPN Plus this weekend, I had been given a heads up, and you know who you are, and I appreciate it. I had been given a heads up that this was a possibility for Saturday. And it's funny because everyone used to always make fun of Oklahoma for the pay-per-view games, but now essentially here's like a second pay-per-view. Anytime they put these games on ESPN Plus or Peacock, you, you've got to buy that service. And I get it. You've got to buy every service. ESPN just doesn't magically appear on whatever platform, you know, or dish or however you get your cable anymore. But I just, I kind of found that to be a little bit shocking for a game that, to be honest with you, Josh, if if I'm picking the must-watch games in the Big 12 this weekend and I'm at, 
you know, ESPN or Fox, and I'm trying to figure out which game I want. This is, I think this is one of those games that you, I think you want it on your network. I think it's a really good football game between Oklahoma, the potential, right, to be a really good football game between Oklahoma and Baylor. And, you know, maybe that's part of it, but, you know, I I know it's two five and three teams, but I think there's more national cachet for OU Baylor than there is for, say, Oklahoma State and Kansas. I guess OSU being ranked is why. TCU is going to get that early morning slate on Fox because they're undefeated and we'll see where they are in the playoff rankings. But I'm not going to complain because it's a 2 o'clock kick and I'm just happy we don't have to worry about an 11 a.m. kick. But I was a little bit miffed by ESPN+, Plus, to be honest with you. Yeah, I would agree that I think Baylor-Oklahoma is every bit as good, if not better, than Oklahoma State traveling to Kansas. Obviously, it's to me, it's not in the same wheelhouse as West Virginia at Iowa State, which would be the other ESPN Plus game. But, uh, you know, the other part of that, as we've talked about in other instances, football, basketball in the past, is Oklahoma sells, right? And so Oklahoma at times is going to get put on some of these these platforms to sure. try and move these platforms. Can I – can we grab a break and can I pose maybe a petty question? Just a – can I be petty? Yeah, I love petty. Let's All do right. that. When we come back, let's get a little college football petty. Because, honestly, I think a lot of Sooner fans thoroughly enjoyed seeing Oklahoma win. They've, they've for the most part, reset expectations. And now with a couple of wins, I'm not going to say that 49-0 will ever be washed – from their mouths or eyes, how our ears or however, but you know it's it's almost like you put a you put a band aid on a wound that might need a tourniquet, but that it, it it's making it feel a little better. But was there something else this weekend that maybe put Sooner fans in an even better mood? We'll get into it next right here on the ref. Will you watch a scary movie tonight, Josh Helmer? I'll probably watch this movie tonight. Oh. Um, the new one? Uh, no, probably not. Probably uh, the original. Do you know when the original came out? 1978. Wow, look at you. Oh. Whenever I was a little kid, this, this was... This was it. This was the great fear that I had, a Michael Myers-type situation. But he has no athletic ability. Like, how does this dude catch people? They're sprinting and running away from him, and he's just, like, meandering towards them. He saunters on up. Right. And it's almost as if, as you feel like you're getting further away, he gets closer. (laughs) Yeah, I know. He's got some sort of uh, dark mystical power that allows him to kind of narrow that gap. Um over here, here's a good over under for you, Josh. If I were to say Halloween movies five, would you take the over or the under? For uh, total Halloween movies, total, the movie. By the way, that's not, that's a really hard thing. Um, the movie Halloween with Michael Myers. How many that they've made? Right, over under five. Oh, well, it's definitely over with these last three. I believe it's up to eight. 
Actually, you know what? That's that's incorrect. It's now to nine. Nine different. Oh, 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 hold on. I am wrong. It's 13 Halloween movies. And how many Jason movies are there? Um, Friday the 13th, people. Uh, oh, is it Friday the 13th or is that Halloween? Jason? No, 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 no. The, the music you just played, that's Halloween, right? That was, yeah. Oh, okay. You had me scared for just a little bit. No, right. yeah, you're good. Uh, Jason in Fr- Jason Voorhees with the mask on. Uh, let's see. So how many? Hockey mask. Right. <laughs> well, that, that's a very good uh, correction, too, because, you know, Voorhees did have the mask. Michael Myers had a different kind of mask. So the Friday the 13th franchise has create oh my goodness all right there is the always freddy versus jason classic which i think counts 10 11 12 there's 12 oh my goodness so they gotta make a 13th that's right you have to and it's got friday the 13th the 13th the scariest ever and it ends it's all over that's the final one until you know they make another one they never go away josh they never go away. The one that always scared me the most, though, and the one that I've probably watched the most is Nightmare on Elm Street. I am not well when I watch a Nightmare on Elm Street. So 1984 was the first Nightmare on Elm Street. We haven't had a really good kind of new scary movie, right? I guess some of the stuff Key and Peel have done has been nope, pretty well done, nope, pretty scary. I don't know. We, we haven't really had anything of that genre that's blown up recently, have we? No, we haven't. And, I mean, you could probably say that for comedy movies. You could say that for really anything Hollywood-wise. There's there's not a ton of new ideas. <laughs> so from the 918 that segues us right back to sports on the Air Comfort Solutions text line, I watched a scary movie, guys. I watched a scary movie Saturday. I watched some wildcats devour some pokes in old little Manhattan. Now, come on. Don't you dare start chopping away at that winning culture. Don't you dare do it, right? Oh, man, yeah, you talk about something. I had forgotten about that. You talk about something that aged poorly for 500, please. Um, The 405, ask Plank a question. He will tell you how to build a watch. Well, I was looking it up, and it's a three-hour radio show. So if I just, like, 12, where are we going to go with that, dude? I mean. Hey, how do you build a watch? I have no clue. (laughs) I know that from listening to S-Town, it's a rather thorough process, especially when it comes to grandfather clocks. But this is is a very upbeat texter. Um, Sorry we don't have a fart in a world – wind chance which is funny to me because it's a whirlwind you idiot uh and then the other one is give it time so i don't know if this guy's overly positive or just a moron but yes i can tell you how to build a watch by the way grandfather clock guaranteed uh haunted house type uh clock do not have a grandfather clock that is a a dangerous thing to keep in your house on a halloween so what is (laughs) you know if you have a grandfather clock you're doomed so what do we make from saturday in manhattan was it inevitable that something like this would happen to Oklahoma State with all the injuries that they've dealt with? But you look out there and 
Colin, how was it, Colin Coward? Colin Oliver and other dudes are still playing. The Colin Klein. Colin Klein is he's just calling plays and they're <laughs> running all over you. I mean, I don't, I don't know if I'm an Oklahoma State fan how I feel about it because, you know, you can excuse away a poor performance, right? You can. But can you excuse away giving up 48 to a backup quarterback that, you know, just for one of our cohorts, simply feels as if maybe he's playing the wrong position. I mean, Will Howard sliced and diced Oklahoma State on Saturday. And in watching some of those late-game highlights, oof, bro, that was um, that was a t- – I don't – and listen, I've had, like, Poppy was first. I've had several people send me the – the video with Gundy's hands shaking right whenever he came in the game. I mean, that's how I would be. I think that's how most of us would be. But it's kind of funny to me that that was a team that, you know, if we're going to sit here and hang our hat on culture and talk about how incredible a winning culture is, bro, that team tapped out in the fourth quarter of that game Saturday. And I understand it. You're down, what what was what, what was it at the time, like 41 zip? I get it. I, I've seen it. But that was as – I don't know as far as margin of loss is concerned. That was as shocking of a performance that I've seen from a Mike Gundy coach team based on kind of the swag that they were walking with Josh after the way that they had played against Texas, right? This was a team that was on cloud nine, and they should have been. But help me out. What was that on Saturday in Manhattan for OSU? A beatdown is what it was. Are you kidding me? It was a Kansas State clinic. And meanwhile for K-State – if uh, Howard stays healthy the week before, I, I just think that obviously Kansas State would still be undefeated in Big <laughs> 12 play so. right now. Will Howard splits these last uh, two weeks, by the way. He's completing, let's see, just about 60% of his passes, six touchdowns, one interception. So he has been very, very good for Kansas State uh, in their backup role. Really good. Are, are we maybe – not giving the credit due to Colin Klein and the job that he's done. I mean, it that's now two quarterbacks under his tutelage that are having career years. After, honestly, not Adrian Martinez had 60 turnovers at Nebraska, 30 fumbles, 30 picks. The Will Howard, I mean, I, I was always kind of a Will Howard guy. I think I might have been alone on an island on that, but I – I don't even know if many thought that if he came to the game, I, I'll give you an update. Uh, I'll give you an angle to that. I put Will Howard in my spotlight for the OU Kansas State game because there had been some buzz about, hey, he can push the ball down the field. We had, oh gosh, who was it on from the Wildcat Report website? His name escapes me right now. And he said he wouldn't have been surprised to see him get in the game. And when I brought that up, an unnamed – Insider said, if Will Howard plays, Kansas State won't even get it across the 50. So it's just, it shows you, Josh, how either these guys have stepped up in a big way, either defenses are terrible against them, or you stop and you say, man, Colin Klein has found a way to put them in good positions and get the most out of him because Adrian Martinez was a cast off from Nebraska. 
that it seemed as if maybe nowhere outside of Manhattan would have been a power five landing spot for him. And Will Howard was a guy that many think, oh, he's better off playing tight end, and they're both just balling under Colin Klein right now. Kansas State fans thought that about Will Howard. Kansas State fans were not in any way, shape, or form high on Will Howard's ability. And yet, lo and behold, what he's done these last two weeks uh, is really, really impressive. And obviously, versus uh, Oklahoma State, he he set it up to where the Wildcats absolutely throttled the Cowboys. And just across the board, Howard passes for four touchdowns and almost 300 yards. Deuce Vaughn was, of course, typical Deuce Vaughn, 62-yard uh, touchdown, 158 yards. Malik Knowles was uh, you know, fantastic in the game. Warner was really good for K-State. So, yeah, I'm with you. Colin Klein has uh, obviously been terrific, and yet in the realm of football is dumb like you opened this morning – how the heck did this K-State team lose to Tulane the way that they did and only score 10 points? And if, you know, the thing that stands out to me going back to that game, Josh, they they got physically dominated by Tulane. And I, and I know Tulane is now – they're a really good football team. They're 7-1. and one, They're ranked. They're 4-0 in conference play. Their only loss is, you know, kind of a, a shocking, almost inexcusable loss to Southern Miss earlier this season. But Tulane's ended up being a really good football team. Still, if you're battling for a Big 12 championship, you would think that you'd still be able to go out and, and beat Tulane. But, yeah, it's, it's shocking to see how improved Kansas State has been. And there's a team that lost their starting quarterback, went to their backup, and hasn't really skipped a beat. It's It's – wild to think what a li- just a little bit of experience can do in that backup quarterback room. See, I thought we'd see more of this on the Air Comfort Solutions text line today. So far, it's been few and far between. OSU lost to a backup playing the wrong position. OU lost to Texas with a quarterback playing the wrong sport. Okay, okay let's stop. We don't have like a men's volleyball team, all right? Stop it. Poor Davis Bevel. Still catching strays on a Monday. All right, quick break. The best of the Air Comfort Solutions text line coming up next. Plus, Brent Venables, some post game from he and Jeff Levy coming up at 10 a.m. right here on the Home of Sooner Fans. All right, let's hit the Air Comfort Solutions text line. By the way, Dallasville has already had the absolute text of the day. Oh, really? It was it was the very first text in based on my opening segment. He said, what, what are you trying to say, Chris? Are you saying you work for a company that is willing to send you to a location somewhere in a vehicle that can make it in comfort, not a death mobile? Oh, the good old days. That would be an old school reference to the Buzz Van, which was, I don't know, probably about a 1986 Astro minivan that they didn't replace Josh until after I left to take the job down here. So, yeah, it was what I would ride, what they provided. Well, I, wouldn't, I don't want to say provided. It's like, hey, I, I'd gone. I'm like, listen, good. <laughs> 
this was my sales pitch. Hey, I, you know, I'd, I'd like to have a car that can safely get me back and forth. You know, I'm a one vehicle family right now. Is there any way that I could work a, a deal to potentially take the buzz van? It'll be great for exposure. It'll be parked right out in front of all the biggest events. Meanwhile, it's probably in a parking garage somewhere. But let's not get to the facts of it. So iHeart was very cool about that, John Phillips and D.C. But it was also a 1980-aught Astro minivan, which at one point did have the accelerator get stuck in the middle of Oklahoma City traffic, which was very concerning. I had to take it to a... I had to take it to a place in Norman and wait, and they didn't – they never started working on it. They just were kind of sitting there looking at me. It's like, listen, I've got a game to get to. Can we work on this thing? But, yeah, Dallas Bill, good catch on your part. Good catch. Thank you uh, to the great people, Kelly Collier and his crew at Sooner Sports Properties. You would have loved the minivan, Josh. It was a disaster. It, it sounds fantastic. It had two seats, and that was it. That was it. Uh, Sooner Gary gets in on the fun. After eight games, I know this. Eric Gray is our difference maker on offense. Our defense need to keep keep opponents to fourth and short because we stink at defending fourth and long. <laughs> Indeed. And BV isn't afraid to allow the special teams to make a difference in the game. Complimentary football. That was the big word. If there was a if there was a buzzword throughout the post game on Saturday, Josh Helmer. And I think that kind of carried over to today. It was complimentary football because from everything we saw this past weekend, uh, were there moments where they could have been better? You bet. Absolutely. But I thought the Sooners played a good four quarters of complimentary football. You know, at, at times the game probably could have gotten out of hand, right? I think the Sooners had a couple of drives in the second half early in the fourth quarter to will – if they go and they if they punch it in here, then look out. This thing might might really look good on a final box score. But they they played well in all three phases of the game, and I don't know if you can ask for much more uh, in what had been perceived as a pretty tough road environment going in. Well, I think just the complexion. And look, let's revisit this thought. Just get out of Ames with a win. This is not well, that's a true. let's – Let's judge Oklahoma every way, shape, and piece of Oklahoma based on the quality in which they win in Ames. This is the same Oklahoma team that got blown out in two of the games of its three-game losing streak, right? So just win in Ames. They did that. Credit to Oklahoma for that. But the complexion of the game, how it's perceived, if you just come away with either of those two fourth-down stops, the fourth and 11 and obviously the fourth and 12, which winds up being a 15-yard touchdown pass if you eliminate that touchdown pass to Noel and that ball falls incomplete then the way this game is kind of talked about it's even it's even better right but uh really for Oklahoma defensively clearly was the highlight not being able to complete a couple of drives offensively early I thought made it to where this game was closer in the I mean it was a one score game at halftime but it didn't feel like it was a one-score game at halftime. And yet, again, it was a one-score game, right, in part because the the offense didn't close a couple of drives out. And even the touchdown that you got was uh, because of the gamble on special teams. So that part, I guess, maybe should have been expected, Plank, just because this was the best defense you faced in Iowa State. But uh, that part was not necessarily great offensively. 
No. Stats bring up uh, brings up a great point, too. They almost blocked a couple of punts as well. They came pretty close. I think they're going to get one this year. Now we're eight games in, so there's only four, four regular season games and a uh, bowl game remaining. So I, I, I'm running out of time, but they're, you feel like they're getting pretty close to getting their hands on a punt. A uh, couple of quick TV thoughts. Guys, it's total BS that it's not at least on Fox Sports 1 this weekend. Like I said, I talked to a couple people before the game, and they just said, hey, we going to get another 11 a.m. game this weekend? And their thought immediately, immediately to me was, not really worried about game time. Pretty sure we're going to be on in the afternoon, but I worry about what network we're going to be on. It's like, oh, you got two games this weekend that are on ESPN+. Plus, two. And and I'm not sitting here trying to tell you that, you know, Baylor, Oklahoma is in any way deciding the Big 12 championship because it's not, and it's two teams that have struggled. But just to me, it seemed like a little bit too sexy of a matchup for ESPN+. Plus. Uh, this might be TJ's burner phone who just texted, just another money-making scam by ESPN and a cable TV provider. ESPN sucks. Um, back to the game. Hutchinson wasn't all that Saturday, boys. Big-time receiver failed to make big plays when given the opportunity. I don't know if I've seen a game where one guy, they, and I know, listen, we, what, how many targets was it against Kansas for, for Marvin Mims? Was it 16 or so? Um, I don't know if I've seen a team force a ball to a guy as much as, as Iowa State did to Xavier Hutchinson. And I'm not saying that, that it's wrong. I mean, they lost the game. He's the guy that you want the ball in his hands. But it seemed to me, Josh, that concerted effort going into Saturday was we've got to get Xavier Hutchinson the ball. And, boy, they 17 targets, caught 10 of them. Uh, Sooners did a pretty good job. And I'll have to go back, and I'm not going to chart every play, but, you know, he had 72 yards, but his yak was only 28. So for a guy that's been pretty good with his yak yards, I thought I thought the, the Sooner cornerbacks, specifically Woody Washington, I thought they did a really nice job on Saturday. Understood the assignment. Do not let Xavier Hutchinson go crazy. And they did not let – Xavier Hutchinson go crazy. Really, that's a microcosm right there, just individually, of a lot of the things that Oklahoma did right defensively. Because guess what? There's uh, some other teams here recently that have also, quote-unquote, understood the assignment with Xavier Hutchinson. And guess what? They didn't deliver uh, anywhere close to the same results. And I'm thinking of a play against Texas that should have lost a game versus Texas, but that's neither here nor there. So – 10 catches, 72 yards, pretty doggone good versus Xavier Hutchinson. By the way, the uh, number that you were looking at for Marvin Mims was 16 targets versus Kansas. Okay, that's what I thought. That's what I thought. 17 targets. And it, it wasn't, again, 10 catches, 72 yards, but it's not It's not like it was working. So I was kind of surprised to see they kept going back to the well. I Here's a good question that we'll take the break to discuss. And it's very simple from the – well, in, in fact, here's back-to-back. From the 405, what's up with Marvin Mims? Here's one from Shark. Marvin Mims 
was extremely subpar Saturday. Was overthrown a couple of times, but dropped four or five balls that should have been caught off days occurred. Let's let's get into that next. Sure. You want you want to spend a little time to wrap up hour one talking about Marvin Mims. In fact, I was going through my list of you know on on Mondays instead of just the top five stories of the day, we do our our top five takeaways from a Sooner performance. We didn't do it after the Texas game. I think you all know why. But Marvin Mims is right there, number five. And I kind of give you what I saw on the sidelines and maybe try to make sense of what was a really, really rare off day for Marvin next, right here on the Home of Sooner Fans. Are you uh, doing any Halloween festivities tonight, Josh? No. No, I, I, I am not. Outside of I need to, you know, buy several bags of candy and right. make sure I'm prepared for the trick-or-treaters that no doubt will come come to the doorway in the uh, Helmer household this, uh, this fine evening. Nice. Nice. We don't get any in our neighborhood. Really? Yeah, which is fine. We go... We, we do you want to trade places tonight and you can hand out candy at my house? Uh, I, I I don't mind it. I used to, it used to be a little bit more fun. I still have an eight year old that's all in and a fourteen year old that is digging dressing up, so that's kind of cool. But yeah, and I uh, what ends up happening is we buy like these three massive bags of candy and we just end up eating them because no. We have to. T- we'll end up taking them to church or something to donate them because, yeah, like, literally, you do. nobody comes by. Nobody comes by our house. Not complaining. We at the station will wind up with, I think, a bag of candy at some point because eventually someone's like, "Yeah, we bought this, but here you go." Nobody ate it, so here you guys go. And I'm like, "Oh, I'm not going to eat that." Meanwhile, I'm always I know sneaking in and out. Six Kit Kats later. Okay, so let's let's talk about Marvin Mims on Saturday. The number. Of catches two for 16 yards, and in fact, of those 16 yards, every single yard basically was him creating 14 yards after catch. He was targeted six times, two, uh, maybe three, really kind of gut churning drops. The and, and what's funny is in that number, I don't even think the first pass is included. Because when he was running wide open down the sidelines, because there was a penalty that nobody knew about, because they didn't they didn't even announce it in the in the PA. In fact, if you went to Ames, you know I didn't hear anything on the PA except for just over distorted bass. That's all. I, I never heard the PA announcer make an announcement. All I heard was, I mean, it's just crazy. They need you guys need some new subwoofers or something, but. I don't know if I agree with this um, from the 918. Mibs got overthrown twice. DG seems to be out of sync with Marv recently. But in, in, in fairness to that, he is coming off a game against Kansas where they seem to click pretty well. But even in that game, they missed on a couple of deep passes. So, I'll push back a bit, but I'm not like, oh, you're you're wrong because, you know, maybe it's maybe it's just something that's taken a little bit of time, right? And we can go back to the the win over Kansas, and it was the 16 targets, 
and the numbers were pretty impressive when all was said and done. But, you know, you you need your best players to be your best players. And there was nothing out of sync timing-wise on at least three of those drops. So uh, I, I hate it for Marvin, but just sometimes – this is the reality of what happens. You're going to have drops. You're going to have poor performances. You just got to go out and, and back it up with, with something good. Let me. I want you to respond to that, but here was what Jeff Levy told us afterwards whenever I asked him about the drops. Yeah, just keep playing the next play. I mean, we're going to come right back to you. We did that. You know, we've got great confidence in the guys to go make plays, and that, uh, that's what we wanted to see. So, again, Coach Levy is really good about always turning things back to the, the we, the us, the team, and not an individual per se, but – it, it is a little concerning when your best receiver is having struggles like that. You know, I'm going to give this another week, a couple more weeks, right, before you get to the point to where you say, hey, there's something not quite right between a Dylan Gabriel and a Marvin Mims. I chalked this past weekend up to Marvin Mims has been largely fabulous mm-hmm. throughout his suitor career from day one. Day one of his career, which, yeah, wide receiver is a position where you can come in and make an impact as a true freshman, but that's that's no guarantee. And yet for Marvin Mims, that was his reality at Oklahoma. So, look, he he had a bad game, right? He had a bad game. And it's, I think, probably the first time we can really ever say that about Marvin Mims at Oklahoma. So I'm sort of just chalking it up to that plank, and let's see if it – Gets fixed versus Baylor. I would imagine that it does. Brian writes there. Brian with a Y. They were saying Marvin had some kind of thumb injury. Wonder if that was the reason. <laughs> I, I I was right down there watching. He was, and I don't know what they said, Brian, on the TV broadcast, but what I saw on the radio side, on the sideline, standing right there, was they had, had kind of retaped his thumb, and it happened early in the game. I think it was. I think it was in the first quarter where he they, they kind of taped to somebody wore his, his glove over it, but it never it never got to the point where like they took him to the injury tent or anything. So and Marvin's a tough guy. You know, he, there's also something to be said about you know, we're going from that frustration in Texas. He took a pretty good shot in a couple of games afterwards, so I, I hope he's good health wise because it seems to me as if he's got uh, all the, well, he, he has all the potential in the world. We'll talk more about the receivers next, right here on the wrap.